Welcome to The Daily Bite with your host, Pastor Steve Andrews. We continue our study of the gospel according to John today with chapter 11. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this he said to the disciples, Let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, and are you going there again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died, and for your sake I am glad that I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. So Thomas called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, The teacher is here and is calling for you. When she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days.
Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips, and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what he did, believed in him, but some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. So the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered the council and said, What are we to do? For this man performs many signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him, and the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. But one of them, Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year, said to them, You know nothing at all, nor do you understand that it is better for you that one man should die for the people, not that the whole nation should perish. He did not say this of his own accord, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation, and not for the nation only, but also to gather into one the children of God who are scattered abroad. So from that day on they made plans to put him to death. Jesus, therefore, no longer walked openly among the Jews, but went from there to the region near the wilderness to a town called Ephraim, and there he stayed with the disciples. Now the Passover of the Jews was at hand, and many went up from the country to Jerusalem before the Passover to purify themselves. They were looking for Jesus and saying to one another as they stood in the temple, What do you think? That he will not come to the feast at all? Now the chief priests and the Pharisees had given orders that if anyone knew where he was, he should let them know, so that they might arrest him. This is the word of the Lord. John is good at giving us lengthy chapters, and so we're, we're working with this one here as well. Primarily, we're looking at the idea of Lazarus in this text. Now, Lazarus, Mary and Martha, all of them described as as basically being friends of Christ. Uh, verse 5, that he he loved the three of them is there. Verse 3, the sisters say that he had loved Lazarus. So what is their relationship precisely? We just don't know. I mean, as God, as the creator, he loves all of his creation, but this seems to imply something stronger, deeper, as John will refer to himself in the gospel as the disciple whom Jesus loved, um, making a an important, a deep connection. So have they visited before? Have they known each other long? Have they interacted many times? We just, we don't have the answer to those questions. Mary and Martha are going to show up in Luke chapter 10, verses 38 to 42 as well. It's a story you might recall where Jesus and the disciples come to their home and Martha is busy preparing food, basically, to feed them while Mary is sitting at Jesus' feet. Martha gets upset that Mary's not helping, and Jesus ends up saying that Mary has chosen the better portion and it won't be taken away from her. This connects to the idea that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Well, Martha was the the one... She was doing something good, right? She was seeking to feed Jesus and his disciples a meal. This is good. But here, she's going to look like the one with the stronger faith compared to Mary. 
So it's just an intriguing contrast, and it's a reminder that we as, as Christians, as the Lord's people, we are saint and sinner, and that we have, have those faithful moments, but we also have moments where we struggle, where we doubt, and where temptation sets in for various worldly reasons as well. So they send and let Jesus know that their brother is sick. Now, Mary anointed Jesus with ointment is mentioned in verse 2. That's tomorrow's chapter. Chapter 12 will give us that account. So we'll hold on to that one for then. Jesus, hearing it, says this illness does not lead to death. This is a family conversation point. Why not? Doesn't Lazarus die? And the answer to that is yes, he does die. However, it's finished the sentence here from Jesus. It is for the glory of God that the Son of Man may be glorified through it. It doesn't lead to death. Lead as in, um, if you think about leading your child to, to school, right? School is the end destination if, if you're driving the car. Here, this illness is not leading as the final destination for Lazarus as being death. Yeah, death is a stop on the way, but Jesus is going to raise him from the dead. So Jesus' statement is quite true. Uh, just we gotta stop and think about it for a moment. So the disciples remind Jesus that the Jewish people have been seeking to kill him of late, and why is he so quick to want to go back there? At this, Jesus gives them a little story about night and day again. It's not the first time in the book, certainly. He's dealt with light and darkness a few times already. The picture basically is, while it's light outside, you can walk about freely. You can go where you need to go, uh, do what you need to do, and you're not going to trip and stumble and fall over stuff because you can see. And the picture there is with Christ himself being the light of the world, that as long as he's in the world, he is free to do as he pleases by means of the will of God. He is God. Uh, That this is not really a danger to him to do such a journey. When When it's darkness, well, then the light's not there, and then things do get trickier. So when Jesus is not here, and there's going to be warnings for the disciples about such things as well, over the course of Jesus' ministry, that once he is gone, things will be tougher and they should take their money bag and sandals and, and things like that. So Jesus tells them Lazarus is asleep. He goes to awaken them. They misunderstand, thinking that sleep is good for the body. If he's sick, it'll help him get better. So he has to plainly tell them he's dead. But, verse 15, for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe Jesus is going to raise Lazarus from the dead, and this miracle is going to build up the strength of his disciples. He wants them to see this. Again, to glorify God is the purpose of this miracle, just as it was with the man born blind. And the disciples asked, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born this way? It was neither but for the glory of God. Jesus is doing these things so that people may see and believe both in the Father and in the one whom the Father has sent in his only Son. So they, well, verse 16, Thomas, called the twin, or Didymus, says, let us also go that we may die with him. Again, because the Jews are seeking to kill him. There's an interesting phrase from Thomas. Essentially, the idea that we will stand with him until the death, he believes they're going to go down fighting. If this battle is going to happen now, a reminder, disciples believe that the Messiah is going to be a military champion, a, a judge of Old, Old Testament days who delivers his people from oppression. 
And so if we're gonna, if it's time to fight now, let's go fight now. And if it means we die, uh, we die fighting. That seems to be the picture here from what he has said. So by the time he gets to Bethany, which is two miles away from Jerusalem as we read here, Lazarus has been in the tomb for four days. That's significant. It means his body is already decaying, and that's why Jesus waited as long as he did. Everybody will know. The whole community will know Lazarus has been in the tomb for four days, and that he's not just, we might talk about a coma, he's not just so ill that he looks dead. He's definitely dead. He's dead dead. Dead as a doornail. So the Jews have come out to Mary and Martha to console them. Again, living close to Jerusalem, lots of Jewish people in the community. And so you've got a community aspect to this. Maybe some paid mourners, uh, those who grieve as kind of their way of life. And there certainly were some of the time. This is not spoken as though this is the case here, uh, but could have been, at least for some of them. Martha runs out to meet Jesus this time while Mary stays seated in the house. That actually is kind of paralleled to Luke chapter 10, uh, where Martha was the one who was up and moving about and spoke to Jesus while Mary was the one sitting. But again, different outcomes uh, for the accounts. She, She and Mary will both end up saying that if Jesus had simply been there, Lazarus would not have died. They trust that he could have healed their brother. There's some faith in that. This is good. But she then says, whatever you ask from God, God will give you. What is it she expects Jesus to ask from God? She doesn't expect a resurrection. As we kind of move through the story, you see that. Jesus says, open the tomb, and she doesn't want to. So it's hard to know what exactly it is. Comfort, some kind of hope, uh, maybe some kind of blessing upon their family, their household, that Jesus will somehow have something to give to these sisters to care for them. Because without their brother, they might well be in in financial perils. We're not told that either of them are married, so we would make the assumption, and it is an assumption, uh, that they would they would need, need some sort of assistance. Maybe they are married, and we just don't know it. So, Jesus says your brother will rise again. True statement. Martha acknowledges the resurrection that she believes on the last day. God will raise the dead. That's quite telling, again, of her faith. This is not something that's truly been straightforward, articulated. It's it's there within Jewish thought. It's not as though it's not, uh, though there are some who don't believe it, like the Sadducees. But the Jews, the Pharisees, believe in a resurrection. So does she. Now, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. That's his sixth I am statement in the book as we've been counting them, as we go through it together. And he says, whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. So the first clause here, those who are Christian, who die in this world, they will live. That is, Jesus will raise us to new life. We will live with him forever. Everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die again. I suppose, I added the again there, sorry, I'm already getting ahead of myself. Suppose we can take this two ways. One would be again, that having been raised from the dead, we will not die, just as Christ, having been raised from the dead, cannot die again. 
Another possible way to look at it, though, is simply the reference to the last day, that if we are alive, like if Christ comes back right this very instant, we won't face death, and we'll just get to live with him forevermore. A good, worthwhile family conversation here. What does the word resurrection mean? Especially for our younger children, that might be a big word that needs some unpacking, and that it points to Jesus to talk about the resurrection, so this is good. When he asks if she believes this, she gives a bold proclamation of faith, one of the strongest ones you'll find in Scripture. This is pretty much on par with, almost identical to what the Apostle Peter will tell Jesus in Matthew chapter 16, when Jesus says, who do the people say that I am? And he changes it, who do you say that I am? Peter says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And she says, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. An incredible statement of faith. So we see a lot of good stuff uh, for Martha here, even if she's not quite sure what's coming next, and she doesn't have an anticipation of the resurrection that Jesus is about to perform. So she sends Mary. Mary runs out to meet him, and the criers, the mourners, go out with her. Uh, They thought she was going to the tomb to weep, but they end up going out to see Jesus together instead. And Jesus is moved. Uh, Mary again makes the same case that if he had been there, my brother would not have died. Is that word for word? Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Same phrase from both sisters. He's deeply moved. He asks where they've laid him, so he wants to see the grave, and everybody assumes he wants to see the grave so that he can mourn too. And when they tell him, he does. He, he weeps. And this is famously the shortest verse in the Bible. It's actually debatable. It's not the only English verse. It's only two words in length. So this is two words, ten letters. Sorry, two words, nine letters. In ESV, the only other two-word verse, verse that I'm aware of is 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16, rejoice always. Obviously, a few more letters to that. But in the Greek text of those two verses, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16, is actually shorter in Greek than John chapter 11, verse 35 is here. Others in the competition, though, Luke chapter 20, verse 30, and Job chapter 3, verse 2, and In some English translations, those are two words. ESV has them as three. So, and he said, instead of just he said, um, for example, the Job text is six letters in some English translations, whereas the Luke 20 text is nine letters long. So, might be the shortest verse here. Depends on how you're measuring things. All right. So, the people are confused still. Uh, They know he's healed the blind, and so they wonder if he could have healed Lazarus too. So just as the sisters were wondering and believing, they're wondering, the sisters were believing, so a little different. Jesus goes to the tomb, commands the stone be taken away, and again, Martha's not expecting a resurrection. She says, Lord, by this time there will be an odor. He's been dead four days. Dead people stink because the bodies rot. They attract bugs, insects, and so forth. Jesus insists they take away the stone. He says that if you had believed, you would see the glory of God. And so she's going to see the glory of God. This is going to point to lift up the Lord for all to behold. And that's why Jesus prays. He prays not because 
I'm not going to say he doesn't need to. The Father and the Son communicate with each other uh, within the Trinity, however that works. But he's praying and he tells us this so that the people will hear, so that the people will know, and so the people will see God in this. And so he cries out with a loud voice, showing his authority, his declaration, and so that everyone, Lazarus and the people alike, will hear him come out. And Lazarus rises from the dead and comes out of the tomb, walks right out, kind of hopping maybe because he's all wrapped up and his hands and feet are bound, and so he tells them to unbind him and let him go. Jesus raises the dead, and he will do this for all of us in the last day. At this point, some believe it, and others go to the Pharisees. The Pharisees and the chief priests gather the council, which is likely a reference to the Sanhedrin, the ruling council of the Jewish people, a group typically of 70 men consisting of Pharisees and Sadducees alike, the high court basically for them. What are we to do? Performs many signs, so miracles. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe the Romans will come and take away our place and nation. So there's an ongoing fear of the Romans amongst the Jews that if they don't stay in line, if they don't behave themselves, the Roman army will come and destroy them. There is basically an exemption for the Jews because they they pre-existed, like a grandfather clause. They're already in the Romans have just absorbed them as part of the Roman Empire, so they have some freedom to participate in their own religious practices. But this Jesus thing, this is new. The Romans may not tolerate that. Caiaphas, the high priest, however, stands up and says a double-meaning phrase. Do you not know that it is better for you that one man should die for the people, not the whole nation perish? So, Caiaphas is going to be part of the, the group that will ultimately kill Jesus. We can read this then from that perspective. It's better that one man should die than the whole nation. So let's kill Jesus so that the Romans don't kill all of us. You can see that perspective. But at the same time, we're told here that this ends up being prophecy, that the Lord works through his high priest, still his temple, still his priesthood, works through his high priest to actually proclaim What's about to happen? That Jesus is going to die for all people. I mean, fascinating thing that it is, right? Rather than all of us die in the death that we deserve because of sin, Jesus is going to die for us in our place, our substitute, our Passover lamb. So Jesus no longer going to walk openly amongst the Jews, instead heads off to Ephraim, which is about four and a half miles east of Bethel, Bethel's about 10 miles north of Jerusalem, if you need that uh, to help figure out where we're going here. Passover is at hand again, now the third time, and the Jews are wondering if they'll see Jesus at this one. That's where we pick up tomorrow, chapter 12.